<laughs> we're talking, we're singing. All right. It's so, recording right now, isn't it? It is. Welcome to the Thoughts on Digital podcast, ideas and insight about the ever-changing world of digital marketing. Hey, everybody. Rob Spierberg here from All Things Media, uh, here with Kevin Blum, who is our, our head of design here at ATM. And we are going to talk today about the Oculus Quest and why it's going to be on everybody's shopping lists this holiday season. So. Hello. <laughs> that's Kevin. So uh, why don't we just dig right into it? Um, you know, I think we've just had the Oculus Quest now for about two days. Mm-hmm. I put a post up on um, social yesterday basically saying that we're calling it. We think that this is going to be the first commercially viable VR solution in the marketplace and that we think that this holiday season you're going to see a lot of these Oculus Quests uh, being sold um, because it's just it's exciting. It's exciting on multiple levels, and I think um, we should, you know, here we're here today to discuss what it is that makes this so great and what it is that makes it so different from anything that we've seen before it. So why don't we start with the the hardware itself and the way that that's designed? Um, what do you think, Kevin? Like in general, head strap, the controllers. Oh, I uh, for one, I I want to say that I completely agree about. Um, this being probably the next big thing. The first time I think VR is going to be uh, definitely a, a viable commercial product uh, for a broader audience. I mean, I'm even like, thinking about getting one. Even but, you, Kevin? Well, I mean, up until now, <laughs> the technology has been really expensive. And this this has like the abilities of the Vive almost but without all the wires and the, the weight and, and the, the towers and the, and the setup yes. and then the towers, you know, go out and you lose tracking. It's just, it's a mess. I mean, we've been setting up vibes now for two years. Yeah. We have to bring all of this equipment with us and all, Huge all of these stands. We have to set 30 minutes at least to set it up. And every single time that we set it up, we run into some technical issue or something's not sinking. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how many meetings I've been like sweatily trying to get it ready at the last minute. Wondering if we're even going to be able to show the stuff. And that could be a function of my technical expertise. But I, I would say that I am, I, I would say, above average in terms of technical and hardware understanding than the average person. So the Vive, as great as it was, was never going to be a commercially viable product. It was hardcore adopters and gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I think we're, we're starting out looking a little bit back at... Oh, at, I'm sorry. At, yeah. No, no, no. Jump, it, I'm jumping I ahead, think, I think this makes sense, actually. Um, you know, if I planned it out better, I think this is the better way to go. Let's look at what's come before. So you've got the Vive. The Vive was the first time I put on a VR headset and said VR is going to be a thing, right? Um, yeah. But but it was never going to be a commercially viable product just by, by nature of its price and the bulkiness and everything. But it was a great first step. And, you know, there had also been the Oculus Rift and things like that, that, but those were more 360 experiences. They were, you know, a little bit more limited. They had a controller, but it wasn't that great. The Vive was the first time you saw what VR could be. Um, then you had the Oculus Go come out, which, and, you know, Samsung Gear and a lot of these standalone 360 experiences. Um, Samsung Gear was based off of the phone, and so was Google Cardboard. And in both those instances, with the Google Cardboard, Dropping the phone into a cardboard thing, it let a lot of people see VR and experience it in a very limited way. Yeah. And then the Samsung Gear took that a step further and, you know, took more of a field of vision and made it a little bit more exciting, but still no controller, still just 360. Then the Oculus Go took it a step further because it was an all-in-one mm-hmm. and it had a controller. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so you started to get a feel about what, what this could be in, in a commercial setting for the, for the home. The Vive blew the doors off with this really cool experience taking it as far as it could go, but it was too expensive. So, but there hasn't been one, a device that's really combined all of that. And the big thing that the Vive brought to the table that none of the other devices had brought before it was room scale. The ability to, and for those of the, you, you that don't know, room scale is the ability to kind of walk around the environment, not just look around, but actually put your face up to things, walk around, actually experience VR in the way that we do in the real world. Yeah, instead so, of uh, looking around from just one fixed point, uh, there's spatial tracking, so uh, you can allow yourself to actually browse beyond the single point that all other uh, VR experiences up until that point have only allowed. And, and the Vive lets you do that. It lets you map out a space and create like this kind of like safe zone so that when you were in VR, if you got too close to a, a danger area, you'd see a grid come up that warned you that you were getting there. So that was, that was important, um, was that, that kind of safety zone. All of these things have been available on some level. You've had the safety zone, you, you know, introduced by Vive. You've had room scale with Vive. Vive had brought a lot of the really cool stuff to, to market, but it was still bulky. It still required a computer to run. Um, and, and it was, you know, you still had this wire reminding you that you weren't really in this world. So now enter the Oculus Quest. Kevin, let, let's talk about the hardware. So, you know, it's, it's, it really is the best of, of all of these worlds. Yeah, so far it it's taken everything that has been not quite hitting the mark with all the previous iterations. And it's really kind of polished off all the uh, rough edges, the way that, the strap works sitting on your head. Um, they brought the strap on the back of the headset much further down so that most of the weight gets distributed to the back of the it kind of bump cups of your, your head. skull. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, takes a lot of the weight off the front, uh, which is uh, one of the big deals with uh, VR headsets is that they're usually very front heavy and that's very uncomfortable over time for a lot of people. And on top of that, it's really easy to make tight and it has a temporary elastic pull so that you can just, once you have it set at your comfort tightness, um, you can easily take it off and on very quickly. And they've even made room on the inside for uh, glasses. So people who wear glasses uh, can comfortably wear this, uh, which is something you can't really say for a lot of previous uh, VR headsets. So overall, those are a lot of really astounding innovations that they've made uh, uh, above the uh, previous versions. Yeah, I, I like, too, how you see some of the progression when you look at the Oculus Go um, and the Oculus Quest. Like in the Oculus Go, there's these buttons on the top that you use to control volume. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems I always had with those buttons was that, you know, you're, you're trying to do it in the middle of an experience. There was a power button and two volume buttons. The number of times I accidentally hit the power button thinking it was one of the volume buttons, like volume down, or the number of times that I hit volume down versus volume up, just trying to figure that out on the fly was hard. Plus it was, it was up towards the top. And so, you right know, where you're, you would you're, grip it. yeah, you're, you're trying to like figure it out. You might grip it by accident if you're doing something. So it was very, very tricky. They've actually moved these controls now down to the bottom where you have your, your volume up and down on one side, um, right here as one part of controller, the power button is somewhere entirely it's different. On it's on the, the side the now. Yeah. So you're not going to have that same confusion that you had. And, um, you know, it's just a lot more just, it feels well thought out. Like just the way that the, the volume controls are on kind of a rocker now. 
So it's just you've got one big button, you're feeling towards one end or the other, and you're not confusing it with the power button. It's um, it's just really well done. I mean, the power button's up here, and it's just, you know, really, there's no mistaking it for the volume. Yeah. And little touches like that, I think they, they, they took a lot of market feedback, and they really thought about... Um, what were the, the key concerns? And it was a minor thing, right? Like I enjoyed using the Go and that happened a few times. It was frustrating, but you know, it was still fine. But they, um, they've addressed like those little nuances. It's a very thoughtful very, execution. Very thoughtful. So let's talk about the controllers. Um, so these controllers um, are, are very similar in a lot of ways. I mean, I would say very similar if not virtually identical to the controllers that they did for the Microsoft MR headsets, which I, you know, I didn't mention um, mm -hmm. almost because I, I was so underwhelmed by, by the series of MR headsets that came out for Microsoft because they were still wired. They were doing room scale without the towers, which is, you know, something that the Quest is doing. Um, and that was their big exciting thing is you can do room scale VR without the towers, but the tracking was glitchy, you know, definitely had a lot of issues using, using that system, setting it up was kind of a pain. And then also, the, you know, the controllers were nice. That was the, my biggest takeaway from the Microsoft thing was that they really, you know, the controllers were really useful and it was cool to be able to see your hands, um, or your controllers in the space similar to a five. Yeah. But you know, it's an way more ergonomic. Yeah. It's super ergonomic. The controllers, they're smaller. And just easier to grip, you you kind of forget that you're holding them yeah. after a while. And one of the things that they did that I thought was really cool, and we've seen it done before, but but I, I thought they executed it really well, is you know you have a, a button by your index finger, you have a button on the grip, and you have like a, a kind of thumb controller on on in the middle. Using these three buttons, they simulate hand movements. So if I if I'm not if I'm not pressing on any one of these buttons or touching them. And I, I look down at my hand in the experience, mm -hmm. I see the hand open. If I put my thumb down, I see the thumb go in. If, you know, if I touch the thumb button, if I grab the index button or, or touch it, I think it's just on touch, right? Or do you, yeah, it's just on touch. Just, just it detects touch. So if I just touch it, but I'm not pulling it, it sees it, it pulls my index finger in. And if I, I touch the the grip one, it, it closes the fist. So if I touch all three, I, I'm making a fist. If I let go of the index. I'm pointing. pointing. If I if I let go of the thumb, I'm giving the thumbs up. But it, they they suddenly very quickly and easily give you a way to to, to simulate hands to simulate hands. In VR, and yeah. and it's 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 you know if you think about it in in concept, it's really it's kind of it's not that big of a deal. But when you're in VR, it's a huge deal. And the amount of time that you're in there, if you're in there for more than a few minutes, you for, you start to really become accustomed to it, and you forget. That that you know you're holding this controller and you just you start to think of it as a hand, which is crazy, especially when they have something in the demo where you use your hand in the experience to grab a controller. Mm, yes, and then then you exactly. realize if you think about it, I'm I'm using I'm using a controller to simulate a hand grabbing a controller. It's uh, it's kind of trippy. It's something that if you were to try to explain it to somebody in concept, you wouldn't really be able to explain it very well. I mean, the fact that you get someone used to a controller and that that's what makes what gives them hands in the VR experience. The fact that you're grabbing a controller while you have a controller in your hand the entire time that's designed exactly the same somehow becomes this intuitive thing. When you grab the controller, then you have a controller in your virtual hand that is the controller you're holding. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. But it's a little weird the first time you do it. When you're still, when I was first using the controller and thinking of it as a controller and not a hand, mm -hmm. the first time I grabbed a controller, that was weird. But then you get used to it, and then it's just, it's just natural. It's really cool. Well, I will say the field of view is great. You know, I never, you know, 
so so great that it didn't even occur to me that the field of view was great because when I put it on, the field of view isn't an issue, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I put it on and I'm not even registering that there's any kind of limitation. Um, and that that's a testament to the hardware and the, and the headset, but it's also a testament to the content, right? That you're so pulled into it that you just completely forget that that you're, you're not in that world. Um, and I, I would say it did a great job of that, of making me feel in an, in another place. The other big thing is it's got all of these, it uses these cameras for spatial tracking, right? So the way that it, it handles um, room scale and letting you walk through the space, you know, Vive used to use these, you know, uses these laser towers mm-hmm. or these kind of infrared Sensors towers. Sensors you'd have to install it's around the colossal room. Colossal pain in the butt. Whereas this does the inside out tracking where the cameras just read the room around you and use that room as registration points, which is something that Microsoft started with, but they've really perfected in this. I, I The number of times it glitched out, I can't even say, like it maybe once, mm-hmm. it was a little weird um, at, at a moment when somebody was walking around me or, you know, there's a crowd mm-hmm. of people. Um, but in general, I haven't really had any tracking issues with it. I've been very impressed. The other thing that they've done with these cameras is they actually have a, a way the, inside the headset where you can actually see the camera feed coming from the headset. They use it for when you set up your safety zone or your guardian is yeah, what they call that's, it. That's so much better than the way that uh, setting up your safe zone in the Vive works, in my opinion. It Agreed. makes it uh, so that you have absolute control over what you want to define your area as. Um, I mean, the fact that it switches to that camera view and you literally uh, point and drag a line around the area that you want to use, that's just, it doesn't get any more natural and simple than that. It's so easy. And it's so easy um, that my business partner was telling me he brought it home for his kids to play with. And then, you know, this morning his kid had a friend over and he wanted to show it to him. And, uh, and he was like, you know, dad, can you set it up for me? He was like, you know, I don't have time. You're going to have to figure it out. And he said he figured it out like that. And honestly, so did I. The first time I put it on, it's super intuitive, super easy to do, and super quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to the point where you don't mind setting it up each time because it really takes a matter of, of you know, 10, 15 seconds and you're up and running. And, and that is by itself an amazing feat in terms of both technology and, and you know, engineering Design. and software just yeah yeah just the the user flow it's really well done and and incorporating the camera into it so you put the headset on but you're not blind you can still see i mean it's weird because you feel a little detached yeah. i mean there are some weird things to it because for example the camera positions are further apart than naturally where your eyes would be so if you have any objects that are too close to you that can get a little weird because yeah. that depth sense of depth perception gets really kind of it's not as one-to-one, and it becomes more clear the closer something gets. But, I mean, for the most part, it does the job pretty well. And it's uh, black and white, too, yeah. which is a little weird. But I think they they are treating that not as something for creating augmented reality experiences because it is a little disconcerting that your eyes aren't, you know, you're seeing something that's different than where your eyes are. Mm-hmm. But it's perfect for, for what they used it for, which yeah. is safety and setup. It's almost as if uh, by doing the black and white view – uh, it's just reinforcing to you, this is not intended to be augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I really liked about it, uh, the way they use their camera, is when you ever, whenever you step outside of the safe zone, um, it automatically turns the cameras on. Yeah. So this just seems like uh, a natural behavior. Also, if you ever want to step out of your experience, you could physically do so 
and it would turn the cameras on, and it's, they just make so much it's sense. It's great from a safety perspective because yes. you're walking around, and it also gives you this sense of security, right? Like I'm walking around in this environment. I'm trusting that it's tracking right and that the Guardian is, is covering me. But the second that I get to a place where I start to get outside of the Guardian, bang, I'm right back. and It pulls me out of the experience immediately and says, look at where you are. Mm-hmm. And that, that – that that sense of safety, that knowing that that if I'm about to walk into something, I you know even if I for, don't notice the guardian come up or don't see the the red warnings, which I can't imagine anybody would do, although we have seen people do it in the Vive over the years. Yeah. Um, even if you ignore all of that stuff, um, you you suddenly are, are brought back to reality, you know. And we've certainly had instances where people got so absorbed in the experience that they forget where they are. It so happens. it can it can be dangerous. And this is a great way. To uh, to immediately you know pull them back into reality if they if they go too far and it makes you feel really safe yeah. you know and that that's a big part of the VR experience is feeling to feel a part of this other world you have to feel safe enough knowing that you're not going to get hurt in in the real the world that you're in and knowing that that's there on some su- kind of subconscious level really allows your your mind to just kind of let go because mm-hmm. you know you got backup. Yeah, yeah, because you know that they're they're covering they're covering you. And worst case, suddenly you'll be pulled out of it. And it, it's been so far just a, just a dream. So so, let's talk about the experiences. Sure. The software. Um, the one thing that I really liked about uh, their experience was the Oculus team has been really trying to find a way to make people feel like they are actually represented well in the in the uh, VR world. I mean, they've been working on avatars and the ability to simulate like talking, the whole hands uh, control. Um, But also they do a good job of showing in their demos uh, how you can use narrative to uh, direct users uh, depending on what the experience is and overcome certain challenges that, uh, for example, uh, might be limiting about the fact that you have two separate controllers when maybe sometimes you might want to set up where the controllers might be more rigidly aligned in some way. Uh, so to give some examples, uh, there's a, a shooter uh, in the demo for the Oculus that allows you to use a rifle at one point and to usually when, when it comes to a rifle, you would think that you should be able to hold it with both hands. And the fact that there is no rigid structure to that makes it a little weird. I mean, you can't keep them in alignment naturally. Usually you have something that would keep them in alignment for you. To consciously have to do that would be weird. But to overcome that in a rather playfully way, uh, they made it rubber. They made the rifle rubber so that if you went too far this way, the rifle kind of like bent this way and started shooting in that direction. And that uh, you kind of started having fun with that too. I mean, it, it... it is a little, it's interesting. I played, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like that little mini submachine gun in the mm-hmm. shooting trial. And and you're right. It, it's a little bit of a weird experience, but it's fun, right? Mm-hmm. And if you could master that, it would certainly have an advantage in the, in the game that you're playing. So they, they, they make a game out of mastering some of those dynamics. Yeah. Right? It's like they realize that this is, it, it's trying to make you feel like you're in a world that's as believable as the real world, but it still understands that it's not the real world. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I like about it, uh, there is a dance demo. Where you dance with the robot. Where you dance with the robot. And to uh, get you to just focus on the uh, robot, initially when you start the experience, there's a console that you have to put this game cartridge into to start the entire thing up. And in the first-person shooter demo, this stays in front of you and 
on this table that uh, they create in front of you, there is a whole array of like weapon options that you can uh, mm -hmm. select from. And it makes sense to keep that there. But in the dance experience, it doesn't make sense to keep such an obstructive table in front of you. Yeah. So they added one extra element, which really isn't necessary for the experience, but got, a per got you as a, a player to turn around naturally. They asked you to plug in the corners of the dance area into like like you had a plug that was hanging from the ceiling or something on the four corners of the dance air platform that you're on and you were asked to plug them in to the base of the floor and you have the two in front of you and because they're in view you naturally do them first but then you realize oh there's two more where are they they're probably behind me they naturally made you turn around like kind of tricked you to turn around face this robot and you're facing now away from the table but you know where it is you know where the exit huh. for the experience is you Very know how cool. to get access to it naturally, and it's physical context. You don't have to worry about some UI button that you have to yeah, pull they, out. Yeah, they use natural cues to, to make you aware of your environment, which is always a trick, right, in VR. It's like, you know, if you're on a website, you you know, put the, the logo at the top of the page and mm -hmm. put the buttons here because that's the first thing the user's going to see and, and have it, you know, a lot of nav on the left and then lead to the right because people read in that way. There's a lot of rules like that in VR those rules have been kind of, you know, tossed up because you never know where somebody's going to be looking. Exactly. Right. Um, and I think they, you're right. They do a very elegant job of, of kind of directing your attention where they want it to go without making it forced. They do it in a very natural way. Yeah. And, and the application that we're talking about, by the way, is called first steps. It's the, the starting point for Oculus quest where they really make you aware of the world and it, it by itself in my mind is worth the purchase of the, of, of the headset. There's so much there. You know, just by itself, you know, you want somebody to, to have a moment of joy with their Christmas present, you know, <laughs> get the Oculus Quest because just for steps alone, there's a, so many cool little moments in there. There um, really are. And the, the two games are great. The robot dancing one, the shooting one. You could have a lot of fun with those. Yeah. And then, you know, just the little demo area where you're, you're controlling the blimp and shooting rockets and playing, you know, playing with the, the ping pong. Yeah, thing. yeah. And the, the paper airplanes. It's... um. It's it's very well done. It really very, is. Very, very well done. And, and this, the accuracy of the tracking on the controllers is amazing. They have one point in that same playroom where there's this ball tethered to a pole, and you can hit it, and it just swings right around back to you. And you know that you it's can... It's like tetherball. Like yeah. a tetherball. Like tetherball. And you, can, you, you know that you can take your virtual hands and punch it back in the other way, and... That, it works. That it works. Yeah. It tracks it accurately. And the fact that you can take a rocket and fire <clears> it off into the distance, have it fly back at you and catch it out of the air. The fact that that is, it's that accurate. Yeah. And the funny thing is like I, you know, the, the hand tracking is so good that it didn't even occur to me to say anything about the hand tracking, right? <laughs> it was that yeah. natural. It was like just to get, I've already accepted that as a given. But the reality is, you know, a lot of these devices, that's that's been a, a huge hurdle that they had to cover, mm -hmm. and they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it to the point where it's just natural, it feels right, it's very accurate, the hands are always where you expect it to be, you don't see any of this weird glitching out, there's no lag, it's just really well done. Yeah, and the fact, I think also the fact that the controllers are communicating with the uh, headset as opposed to with the Vive, where everything had to communicate with sensors. And if the sensors were blocked by your own body or yeah. something else, they would, start, they would start like floating away from you and that would always take you out of the experience. This, it just keeps it all connected and working reliably the entire it's, time. It's, 
I mean, I, we can't say it enough. It's really well done. The the last couple of points, I would I, well, there's a bunch of other games we tried out. We tried out the Star Wars Darth Vader one, which is is got some really you know impressive graphics for the device that it's on and the processing power that it has, and it's a compelling experience. There's a lot of fun to be had there. Um, we messed with the Creed boxing demo, mm-hmm. and they do some really interesting things with motion. Um, and that one, you know, the way that you move through the ring, you do it by pressing <laughs> buttons and pumping your, hands, pumping your hands, which is, 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 you know, weird, but it's, it, goofy, it's actually, but, but it's cool. It makes fun. the game a certain kind of game. Yeah. You could definitely see people getting pretty good workouts in this if they, if they really embrace, um, the stuff, which is, you know, a big thing in gaming, right? How do we, how do we take this increasing generation of people that are sitting in seats all day doing nothing and get them up and moving and keep their blood flowing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're looking, you know, it's not an exercise tool yet, but it's getting there. And it's only a matter of time once this takes off before a stationary kind of treadmill kind of thing, you know, gains gains acceptance so you can actually run with it. I don't know. I, I tried the sports scramble game, and that was a tennis game that required you to run back and forth swinging. Just in place, yeah. Oh, my Got God. Got a good workout? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was more than just in place. I had to take several steps that direction gotcha. and a few steps that direction. Yeah, yeah. You scan a wide enough area it's and funny, it takes I didn't even think about that. Now that you can actually, the safety of the mapped area, now that you can map an area and, and rely on the safety of that, that, that guardian area, now you can do all kinds of stuff with motion. Now people can move around and run around, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is scary when you're, <laughs> you don't want to run too fast. But it's, it's, we, we were sure we're to move there. the computer monitors yeah, away yeah. from me when we did that. Uh, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> Just having this system in, in the office, we've had to set up a sign-up sheet for people to use it. And we've had a line, and we have people wanting to reuse it, and we have people wanting to play it for extended periods of time. That's more than I can say for pretty much any other VR headset that we've had, including yeah. the Vive. You know, we, we had early adopters. We had a group of maybe four or five people that really liked the Vive and played with it a lot. But but this is the first time that the entire office, no matter who you are, everybody wants to play it. That's my my prediction. Take it or leave it. But I, I think if you you're getting ready for Christmas, you might want to get one of these now while, while you can or as soon as you can because they're they're going to be in high demand. If you don't play anything else, play Beat Saber. Oh, oh Beat God. Saber. Beat Saber is is super cool. Oh, um, man. I have Nick. Nick challenged me to a Beat Saber off at noon today. So Okay. All right. Yeah, so you got to get going. <laughs> um, we got to get you out there and, and into the Beat Saber world. What a cool game. What a cool example of, of how VR can be used to create something really creative. Mm-hmm. And that one doesn't even, the room scale is less important than than just hands that are reliable. Yeah. Um, very cool. Very exciting. The The last thing I'd say is, you know, where does this go next, right? So, so from our perspective, we think that this is going to start gaining a lot of commercial adoption. And it's super exciting. I mean, listen, the processing power of the headset is limited. There's only so much you can do in terms of photorealism. Mm-hmm. But that's a problem that we know from history and from experience is going to be solved. This thing reminds me of like the, the Nintendo Wii when they first came out with those those hand controllers and that was like the thing to have and it was mm-hmm. so cool and everybody was into it. When you go to customize your avatar, uh, when it simulates you talking, when it hears it through the microphone, through the headset, uh, it looks good. Yeah. Um, so like you can imagine yourself like talking to other people represented by their avatars feel and like feeling it's like coming. It, yeah. if they if they're not don't release it before the end of this year I'd be very surprised because I think that's going to be another big draw for people um, and then you got like 360 you know seats at sporting events you know integrating video and things like that and then you've got um, there's just so many ways like that that this can become you collaborative workspaces there's so many ways that this technology is 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 positioned to take off 
And I think you're going to see it happen a lot, a lot faster now that we have a device that people, I think, are going to start buying. I think, I think we're going to see it blow up. I absolutely it's a do. It's all-in-one. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's the device people have been waiting for. Actually, I do did think of a one more uh, thing that the visor actually has that uh, we didn't mention, and that is it has built-in audio. Um, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. In the past, uh, and the strap, right? Like it's got like is it? Is I think the it's, headset uh, or the strap? It's built into the headset, but it feels like it's right by your ears when yeah, you're playing. Yeah, it works kind of like Bose AR in the fact that it's because it's pressed up against your uh, temple and yeah. it's so its proximity is so close to your ears, it just translates really well and you hear it better than anybody else. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome that it has it built in because yeah. even though everybody here in the office is excited to play with it, probably the uh, one of the uh, most awful things about having to hear sound uh, out of a VR experience is that you have to put on the same headsets or put in the same earbuds that everybody else has been putting uh, on. Yeah. And so the fact that you don't have to wrestle with headphones at the same time as you're wrestling with this headset just makes so much more sense that you don't want to have to deal with that. Yeah. And so the fact that it's built in is just so much, just so much better. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Well, maybe not first, but hopefully you heard it here first. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, if you liked what you saw um, or if you're interested in what we're talking about, please subscribe to the podcast. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Ideas always go further when they're shared. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on iTunes or drop us a comment on YouTube. Let us know what you think about today's topic. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.